Here comes something. An osprey. That's an osprey. Welcome to Winging It, from curiosity to scientific fact, a new podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Peck from Brigham Young University, and we will be exploring the world of sound. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Winging It, from curiosity to scientific fact. For this episode, we went on a sound walk, Provo Airport Dyke and State Park, and we listened to the, some of the sounds that were in the world, both caused by birds, caused by humans, and caused by other things. This episode is called Noise in the World. Welcome you to this episode and hope you enjoy listening. My name is Jessica, and I am joined by our advisor, Dr. Peck, and my co-researcher, Sarah. So it took us a few weeks to be able to go on this expedition. I think at least two since we were planning on coming out. We decided on a location. Sarah had actually gone there earlier and seen... I believe it was Sarah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you had gone there and seen several birds that we thought would be interesting to find and to try to record sounds of. And so we planned on going, and then I think one week it was a cold snap again, despite the fact that this is mid-April. Winter came back, and it was cold, so we delayed a week. And beyond that, there was just other things that came up, so we ended up having to wait a few weeks to even go. And once we got there, I had never been there before, and it is Utah State Park, but it's right next Utah Lake State Park is where the place is. It's right next to an airport, um, a smaller airport. They do some commercial flights, but they do a lot of more just single. There's a flight school, I believe, that's stationed there. So there's just a lot of small planes constantly going overhead. And you're able to hear that almost constantly in the background of the recording. At least I could. With, so I had on a parabolic mic. how that works it has a dome around the microphone and so it's really directional where you're pointing a parabolic mic really affects the sound that comes out of it there's one point in the recording where I believe I'm just switching it back and forth like Mm -hmm. while someone's talking so you should be able to hear their voice warping (laughs) and it was just interesting it for me almost messed with my perception (laughs) of where things were Um, the gain was up pretty loud, so I could hear things that were far off, but I didn't realize how far off they were. I think I asked a few times, like, oh, did you guys hear that bird? Mm -hmm. And they were like, no, we didn't hear that. It's like, well, it's right. (laughs) And I'd be pointing the mic around trying to pinpoint where the sound is. Oh, I think it's right over there. That's where the sound's the best. So getting to use that headset was really interesting. I always had to point it at the ground when planes came by. Because to have the gain loud enough to hear you guys and to hear birds, when a plane came by, it was kind of overpowering. So that was the overall experience that I had there. What about you, Sarah? Um, so I was holding the... Shotgun mic? Shotgun mic. No, because this one's... No, oh, it was these ones. Yeah, the shotgun yeah. mic. We had a shotgun mic yeah, there. And, and it was not working. No. We tried to plug yeah. it into the thing and it wouldn't register as like a microphone that we were plugging in Mm. so it just didn't work and so we ended up using these microphones that we're actually using right now to record this which is two-dimensional compression mic yeah compression yeah yeah something like that yeah and i i I think the recorder we just didn't know how to use it Mm -hmm. that case again uh, i thought it was like this one but it was different enough that out in the field 
it, it, it wasn't there. All, all these sort of very human mistakes and things uh -huh. like that keep going, and so it's, it's yeah, tricky. yeah. I think next time, I mean, in the future, we'll try to figure it out. But um, yeah, on the spot, we just didn't have enough time to try to figure it all out, and we wanted to record birds, so we just ended up getting out the, the this compression, compression mic, compression mic. And then honestly, I could hear things really well in the microphone. I was wearing headphones, and I think that I kind of like turned the volume down a bit on the mic so that I could hear as like the world around me as well. Oh, um, that maybe and, would have been good for me. <laughs> um, and so it was kind of nice because I could hear, you know, what my ears would normally hear, but I could also hear the microphone on top of that. And so it was cool because um, at one point. I think we heard some... What did we hear? What were the birds? Grackles? There was a lot of grackles. Oh, yeah, yeah. We heard lots of grackles. grackles. I wanted to, like, get a little recording of it in the recorder device, and a lot of the times then a plane would pass overhead right as I was trying to get the recording. And I don't know why, it just seems like fate. Like, every single time you try to record a bird, a plane passes overhead, somebody starts talking, or the bird stops making the sound. It's like every time. <laughs> um, true. There's probably a, a guy in the control tower saying, okay, don't send the plane yet. Don't send the yeah. plane yet. Yeah, oh, they're about to record. Go. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah. Um. Not to completely interject with a marching band story, but to let marching band interject in my life as mm -hmm. it always does. I, is that true? Maybe that's true for you too. Uh -huh. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Towards the end of our marching band season, we'll always go into the stadium that's kind of the best place to try to record a marching band. We're loud. There's not a recording studio big enough for us that would not just destroy everyone's eardrums with the sheer volume of over 200 people playing as loud as they can. Front-facing brass Front -facing. instruments. Yeah. <laughs> So we go to the stadium and we set up a bunch of, I think these actually are, they're like the, what are the fuzzy mics? Are those all shotgun mics? Is that what they're all called? Mm -hmm. They set up a bunch oh, wow. of tall fuzzy mics. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and we all stand there and record and that's our kind of few hour slot to try to record everything the band's accomplished that season, all the songs that we've learned. And I mean, recording with that many people is hard. There's a number of you know, you, maybe there's some mistakes you can edit out, but a lot of times you just have to redo a, like a, a section of music if a clarinet or saxophone squeaks or a brass player sticks out more than they should, or you can actually hear a piccolo. Never want that. Um, <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you gotta hide those a little bit. They're a little too sweet. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, but what always happens with those is we'll be like in the middle of a part and a motorcycle comes by on the road or a jet plane flies overhead. It's amazing how sometimes loud these so sounds can be. This year even there was construction nearby and so we had to keep, we had to like send people to ask if they could quiet down while we're recording or that they would stop playing their pop music. And that's kind of, it's, it's just hard because you don't want to intrude on people's lives, but sound, the sound that you make affects more than just you. I'm not like vouching for a world in silence, but there's a lot of consequences to sound that we as humans make. Yeah. It's funny to me how attuned I've become to those noises in the act of recording. I, I, I normally a motorcycle going by wouldn't even register, but when I'm 
attuning to sound, it becomes it becomes huge. I I, I, I have a curious question. I'll, I'll start with Sarah. It's related to this exactly. In marching band, you're hearing these anthropogenic noises that are adjusting that. But what is noise in marching band? Let's let's talk about different kinds of noises. Like I'm thinking that in in marching band, typically. In listening to a marching band, there are sounds that I'm not paying attention to, but if I were, you know, looking for some sort of perfection of sound, which doesn't exist, I'm <laughs> about it, but there's the sound of your feet walking, there's the sound of a crowd, there's, there's appropriate sounds that are part of a game experience that are loud and going on all the time. What, what sort of concept of noise would annoy a marching band. Like I think the motorcycle example is a good good example. But what else? I, I mean, if I were going to record a marching band, I'd do it in uh-huh. a game and I'd, I'd incorporate those sounds. That seems mm-hmm. like it's part of the music in a way. Is that right? Am I, am I just making this up? No, yeah, I agree with you. And I think it's interesting to note the differences between the noises when we rehearse and the noises when we're playing at a game. Because well, even the we, noises when recording also. There's almost like yeah. three different situations that I can think of. Yeah, because when we're rehearsing, we're on the blacktop. And there's no crowd, obviously. And the blacktop makes it so that every step has a noise. Especially when we're backwards marching, because we literally scrape our feet on the ground as we're backwards marching. And so when we're uh, marching around in rehearsal, especially when we're not playing you can hear all those noises of the feet on the asphalt. Um, And additionally, I think another noise um, that I should include when we're rehearsing is that the directors are, a lot of the times they will count us off using their microphones or they'll use a metronome. And metronomes are such an integral part of band. Um, I remember in high school, we used this thing called, it was called a gawk block that the, <laughs> that the drum majors would hold. They would hit it with a drumstick and it would like echo it's throughout It's a the, wooden block, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it echoes throughout the um, stadium that we're practicing okay. so that everybody can hear this metronome. Um, and when I would hear that, like, when I would hear something that sounds similar to a gawk block... When I wasn't, when it wasn't marching band season, my head would like immediately turn, and it's like, oh, it's like band time. <laughs> um, when you hear a metronome, your brain immediately goes to band time, um, and it, it's kind of crazy, like how fast that happens. And that also applies to whistles, because we didn't use whistles in high school, but now at BYU, the drum majors count us off using a whistle, and when we're in games. The football team also uses whistles to indicate like plays or um, mm-hmm. their warm-ups that they do before each quarter. And it like throws me off a lot of the time because it's like the same whistle that we use. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and I'm like, oh, do I have to be set? Which means like get your instrument up. Like, do I have to be ready to play? And so that's another noise that you know, definitely impacts the way we play in marching band. I think another noise that obviously is a big part of games is the noise of the crowd and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that that actually makes a huge difference in how we play. Because for pregame, 
the crowd is always like super hype and ready to go. They're like cheering us on. Well, they're, they're cheering. Okay, I'm of the opinion that they're cheering ready. I would love people to be cheering for the band. Yeah. But I think a but lot of times they're excited for the team. For sure, for sure. Ah, uh, nah. It's yeah. No, it's yeah. for us. It's for us. I shouldn't yeah. be so down. <laughs> but yeah, they're, they're cheering, they're cheering, and like, you know, we're getting their energy up, and at the same time, they're getting our energy up. I think there's, that's kind of like an understated thing in performance is that the performers rely on the audience mm -hmm. to make us perform better. That's and, gonna appear in birds too. Yeah. yeah that's cool. Yeah. Um, and so it also, like, when we do our halftime shows, a lot of the times we'll hear the crowd just kind of like chattering and talking. And it honestly lowers our energy levels. Yeah. It kind of makes us perform worse sometimes because it's like we put in so much work into the show and people are just like talking and you know oh yeah there's the band there well you see people getting up and leaving because halftime mm -hmm. is i guess traditionally that bathroom time but we don't even yeah. play for all of halftime but it can be kind of like deflating to be mm -hmm. going out on the field and you almost see like this uniform motion leading towards <laughs> the exits yeah yeah That's sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah so um yeah, I think that audience interaction is a big part of performance, and mm -hmm. it's an, it, it plays an interesting role in how well we do. Oh, I hope everybody keeps this in mind, because there's going to be a point where we talk about performance in birds, and I think some of those things have, have analogies in the way birds perform their songs. If they're getting attention, then they up their game, and, mm -hmm. uh, both in terms of aggression or in <laughs> mating response. So, wow, cool. We, we, we're, go we're gonna put the things we say next in the context of a paper we read together. Why don't we read just a bit of that and then, then talk about it. Jessica, why don't you read the title and then Sarah's going to read A. Uh, oh, you distracted him while he was monologuing. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just, just as you were saying, the audience departed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't speak anymore. <laughs> Jessica, why don't you read the title of the two papers we read? They're, all, they're both related. One is a, a short write-up about this paper. And then Sarah will read us a short segment and we'll talk about this and then we'll talk about it in terms of our sound walk that we did last Friday. Awesome. Okay, so we read two papers together, both relating to anthropogenic noise, which I think we've mentioned but we haven't quite defined yet. What anthropogenic noise means is human-caused noises. We've given some examples such as motorcycles, airplanes, but there's other ones like highway rumbles or Leaf blowers. <laughs> There's several that we'll probably talk about. My nemesis. <laughs> <laughs> the first paper was Behavioral Ecology, Noise a Noise at Community Level, which is by... Why did I... <clears throat> instead of giving the... It was by Hans Slabekorn and Walter Hofwerk. I'm certain there's people out there who could correct my pronunciation. The second paper we read was Noise Pollution Changes Avian Communities and Species Interactions by Francis, Ortega, and Cruz. Sarah has a short piece to read from us that we're going to talk about, and then we'll, we'll talk about it in the context of our... Of Which our paper summary. is this from? Yeah. It's from the uh, 
noise and noise. Noise and noise. Community level. Noise is annoying. That's what we're saying. <laughs> Great title. Um, singing birds depend continuously on acoustics for communicating a message that can be critical to survival in a territory providing food, shelter, and nesting opportunities. Also, mate attraction is typically guided by acoustic signals. Female birds often find a male of the right species and of the preferred quality by ear. Other important acoustic interactions concern begging by nestlings or fledglings, food and alarm calling, and production of contact calls that can be critical to group cohesion. Able to hear rustling prey or hunting predators will also heavily affect chances of survival and reproduction, adding to the potential impact of masking noise on individual success and population viability. So, one of the things that impressed me about what that drew, just drew to my mind is I forgot how completely aerial birds are. I mean, I we know they sing and I know they, they use song in mating, they use song in defense of territories, but the call of fledglings, I hadn't thought about that. A lot of people had the experience of of hearing a, a robin shit peeping in their yard from the the, uh, the the trying to call the mother peep when they want attention that there's this whole world of sound that goes beyond singing and calls they're they're very active group cohesion I, I, well, we're going to have to investigate why sparrows chatter endlessly because they're always and I think it's group cohesion there they're letting each other know everything's okay. If one goes silent, and I notice they all kind of go silent still to not draw out the, the attention of predators. Let's speculate. So let's let's talk about what this paper said, and I'll just give a really quick summary. It's a neat it's a neat paper. We know that birds are this this very aerial species of, of organisms and one of the things that happens is if that soundscape is full of human noise they either have to delay their singing or it doesn't come across they have to sing louder they have to sing more quiet we uh, all of this all of this affects the way that they can live birds lose a lot of the, their a bird's life is filled with sound. Almost everything they do is related to sound. The way they detect predators, the way they warn each other, the way that they warn off predators, the way they interact with their young, the way that they listen to uh, the young of others. And so this study was very cool and unexpected. They put up recorders in drilling sites now I think of drilling sites as very noisy, but they said there's a distinction between drilling sites that used a compressor, which is very, very loud. You've probably heard this when you've heard a semi braking and using their engine to slow down. It's a very, very percussive noise. And there are sites though that it's just sort of a cement block and the drilling takes place at a much, much quieter level apparently. So what they did is they set up these recorders and then they looked at biodiversity. And sure enough, in the noisy sites, biodiversity just plummeted. The ability of birds to live in the area in the face of that noise was, was much reduced. 
all their measures of biodiversity were less. But they found some birds actually thrived. And the reason they thrived is because there was a worse ecological thing going on than, than their inability to hear. And it was the robbing of nests by scrub jays and other jays who, who are a fierce nest predator. They grab nestlings and eggs and, and they're, they're a major pest. And if they're a major enough pest in an area, then their disappearance, because they don't do well with noise at all, they found that in areas where nest predation by jays was really high, there was a group of birds that did better than they did in the presence of noise to drive the jays down. So this was an interesting study of how ecological effects in a community actually change the dynamics of the entire community. Suddenly there's, there's less competition in the, in the nesting group that can remain. They're, they have less predation, so they survive more. So it's really interesting interplay between ecological factors and noise. So in each of your experience, what sort of challenges related to that might we expect at Utah Lake, where there's this constant, very constant, except probably at certain times of day or certain season. Meal breaks. Yeah, meal breaks, yeah. Um, what, 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 what did you notice about that? I mean, the planes are very apparent. When we play segments of that, they'll, you'll get a sense of how frequent they are and how, how much they affect things. But uh, comment on your sense of things there at the, the park. What challenges will the birds face and how might they adjust to that? Um, there are, we're delving into the field of ecology a little bit here, and some of our listeners might not be the most familiar with some of the terms we're going to be using. So I wanted to define a few of them. We've talked a little bit about species richness or species diversity. What that is, is that's the number of species in an area. Does this area have robins and brewer's sparrows and cormorants? That would be like a species richness of three. I just listed three different species. Richness doesn't take into account the population count of each of those species. When we're talking about species populations, I believe this paper said that there were similar population and nest counts in both sites. However, the noisy sites, there was only a handful of species filling all those nests. So there were lots of individuals of a few species. It was not a rich environment, even though it had a high nest count. So at Utah Lake... I'd have to pull up our bird notes that we took, but I believe we saw eight or nine different species during our few hours there. That sounds right. And to some extent, for that amount of time, that's a higher count of species than I get other places. So it is really interesting with it being a noisy uh, (laughs) airplane-infested place. I would have expected a lower species count than other places I went, but... Maybe what that's pointing to more is just other places I birdwatch that's usually still in the city, whether it's parks or trails. So maybe it's saying that the pervasive noise of being around humans and around more highways and noisy roadways has a larger effect on those birds than the airplanes did. I'm not quite sure. Okay, well that's a good introduction. Let's now go to the field.
it, it went down too, too yeah, far? Yeah. Okay, so I can take that back up. Yeah. Oh, oh, that's too loud. Okay, that's too loud. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Tell me when to stop. Um, oh, that plane would be good. Uh, yeah, that's good. Okay. Yeah. So there's cool. that. And then I can adjust it as... Yeah. Cool. Okay. You get to that. That's an Osprey. Not oh even my goodness. Dang. It's so close. Absolutely massive. Awesome. <gasps> he made a noise. <laughs> a good California gull. The Utah State Bird. Yeah. Our favorite. So I think I'm hearing, I am hearing the sandhill cranes. My Merlin picked them up. Mm -hmm. There's sandhill cranes over there. construction noises and metal scraping other people talking as they you know, are doing those things and yet there's still such a great diversity of birds it almost makes me wonder what the diversity would be like if there weren't those like mm. hardships or if it'd be the same and like the birds have adapted in this area right yeah i wonder Thank you for joining us on this episode of Winging It as we discussed and explored noise in the world. We hope you enjoyed listening and that you share it with your friends. 